0: Welcome to The Way The World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi,
1: Connor. So today I want to talk about something that always makes me so mad, so mad, and that is this idea of the draft. Uh, what is a draft? It's not when you open a window and the you know, <laughs> breeze comes wafting in pleasantly and so forth. No, the draft, this draft is what's called forced conscription. Um, it's, you know, that's the big term for it. The draft is when the government says, you know what, we have a standing army, which is its own subject. The founding fathers, many of them really opposed a standing army, which is like professional military A lot of them, most of them believed that it was better to have kind of a citizenry or just citizens who could rise up and defend their country at any time. Granted, this was, you know, before the days of, you know, nuclear bombs and fighter jets and all that kind of stuff. But still, the arguments apply that when you have a standing army, it's like when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Have you heard that quote before, Brittany? Yes. Right. If you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you're a standing army. Then everything looks like a conflict you need to get involved in because we have work to do and and so it leads to more war that's the idea well a draft is this idea that the government says you know there's a really big war or a problem then we need to make sure that we're going to be able to have enough pawns oh excuse me soldiers who and, and look i have many friends who are in the military this is not to say that all people in the military are you know bad or like no if anything like unfortunately many of my friends who are in the military are pawns. They are moved around, you know, and sent into battle that I think is wrong and we shouldn't be fighting. And their lives are put at jeopardy for these politicians and these, you know, uh, leaders at the top who are putting them into harm's way problematically. So in that sense, uh, pawns is not an attack on the soldiers, an attack on the politicians and the leaders at the top who are, you know, getting involved in too many conflicts and too many wars. But even then, the, the leaders of the military might be like, oh, we need more war. We need more soldiers. We need more people to fight and go invade this country or fight this, you know, other government or whatever. So the draft is where they say, you know what? We want to be able to force people to join the military if we ever need them. Because a lot of people sign up. Uh, a lot of them are enticed by financial benefits to join the military um which is also of, sad. <laughs> right. Yeah, and a lot it's of that for a lot story, of people there. it's a financial decision. It's oh, I get this signing bonus and I get free college and I get, you know, whatever and there's different perks. But, you know, there's a lot of people who sign up because they feel that it's the right thing to do or maybe their dad and their grandfather and their great-grandfather mm-hmm. all did it. So there's many reasons why people join the military. But if if there's a big conflict, the leaders of the the military might say we need more people. So the draft is where the government could say, "Oh, you know, Connor. Uh, we randomly picked you in this draft. They they have like everyone in a big list, big database, and they randomly go through and they kind of pick people out and they say, "Oh, okay, we get to you know pull you into the military and make you become a soldier." And so it's a way for them to compel individuals to serve in the military. And the history of the draft started uh, in America. It's in it's in lots of different countries. This is not just an American thing. But in the United States, it started with the war between the states, or what a lot of people call the Civil War. (laughs) wasn't very civil, (laughs) but counter getting
0: spicy, yeah, war between (laughs) the states.
1: And so, you know, people were not happy. I mean, there were riots. Uh, As I said, this goes on in other countries. I mean, thousands of years. You know, ancient countries have had drafts, and they compel their you know citizens to to join the military. The first modern draft uh, happened during the French Revolution. Which was in seven, uh, 1790. Uh, so, in America, Brittany, do you know uh, which president created or, or signed into law the first draft? I'll do a little pop quiz for you.
0: Yeah, it was Woodrow Wilson. Yep. Yeah. Was I right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, And that was in 1917, which, you know, episodes ago, we talked about World War One. So, you'll notice right. that's right about that time. So, it was called the Selective Service Act. So that was 1917. That's the
1: name of the law that they
0: passed. That's the name of the law, yes. Yeah. And it required all men between the ages. And I want you to remember the men part because I'm going to get into something that makes me real mad later uh-huh. on. Uh, between the ages of 21 and 30 to register. And this, this always makes me mad because the older people, and I understand why they were exempt, but these are the people who are having kids and, and raising kids, especially back then when people were having kids younger. So you're sending dads. You're sending dads off. So November 1918, by that time, there was roughly 24 million men who had registered, and 2.8 million were drafted into the armed forces or the army. And the draft, though, at this point, it was actually dissolved after after war, which, again, we do not support any form of the draft, but at least they they said, like, okay – it's over. We're going to take it off the books now. But unfortunately, that did not last long. So World War One leads to World War II. And as that gets, you know, ramped up in September 1940, Congress passed what was called the Burke-Wadsworth Act. And that imposed the first peacetime draft in, in U.S. history. And that's really scary to me because that means even if there is nothing going on, and at this time we were not yet involved in, in World War II. We were about to be, but we're not. So this meant that even during peace times, you had to sign up even when there wasn't a war going on. And and that terrifies me. And, and to back up a little bit, just, uh, just to talk about it, people were not fans of this. Like you said, Connor, during the Civil War, there were all these riots. And there was actually one that, that I wanted to mention, I forgot about it earlier, is the New York draft riots. And this was to go back to Civil War stuff. 119 people died because people were so mad that they were being forced wow. to do this. And a lot of them were immigrants who were already being treated rather poorly. But this spirit to really fight back against the draft continues. So we had that so civil war I was talking about. And then I told you, of course, World War I, World War II. Well, that brings us now to the Vietnam War. And this, when I think of of like anti-draft or like the movement to stop the draft, I always think of the Vietnam War. Right. And that's partially because it was a widely unpopular war. I mean, this was probably, all wars are terrible, but this was probably the one where the public was most outraged because nobody could understand why we were there it wasn't even our enemy, right? It was, we're going to fight for someone else's enemy and they don't even want us there, but we're going to do it anyway. So by 1967, um, the casualties, and casualties mean people who were hurt or people who are wounded. The casualties in Vietnam, there was 15,500, f- sorry, 15,058 people killed and 109,000-ish wounded. So tons of young men were being sent off to die for what they call national interests, but nobody really knows what that means. That's a term. In fact, if you ever hear the government talk about protecting its national interests, be scared because they never tell us what that means. We're just supposed to know. They're like, okay, national interest. Let's do it. So this is really interesting because this gave rise to the hippie movement. You know, you see those old movies and it's like peace and love. That's what made this whole thing happen. And like the first anti-war movements also. So people who tried to avoid the draft at this time, they ran away to Canada and they were called draft dodgers which was a crime like at, th- at that point. They were later pardoned, but, I mean, people were getting, I don't know that it was a felony, but you had to pay fines. You could spend time in jail. Like People did not want you to get away from being drafted into the military.
1: Well, you were, I mean, think of it. The people who were drafted felt like, well, that's not fair. You know, I got drafted, so they should have to as well. I remember this is kind of a tangent, but uh, in Utah where Libertas Institute works, we worked on a law. That deals with something called occupational licensure. We've mm-hmm. talked about this before, where the government says you need to get a permission slip to do your job. And in this case, it was dealing with people who cut hair and style hair. And after we we got the law changed so that uh, the permission slip that you needed was easier to get. Right, so we reduced the number of hours that you had to go to school, and and we tried to make the burden a lot less, and we succeeded. So a week later, I'm getting my. Haircut, and I was asking the gal cutting my hair, Hey, did you hear about this new change in the law? And she got kind of upset. She's like, Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. I was like, Oh, really? Like, tell me why. And she said, Well, I had to go to 2,000 hours of school, so other people should too. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so interesting, right? This idea that because the government made me do this, you know, other people should be forced to do it too. And that's what you see with the draft. A lot of these draft dodgers that fled to Canada and elsewhere, you had people who were being drafted naturally, perhaps feeling like, well, wait a minute, like, that's not fair that they get away with it. They should be punished. It's like, if you hate the draft and you don't want to do it, why do you wish ill will on other people? And and the other thing that strikes me so interesting too, uh, Brittany, you pointed out how this kind of gave rise to the anti-war movement and so forth, is that in a just war, in a war that makes sense, I don't think it's that difficult to get people to sign up to fight. In other words, if, if America is being attacked, let's say China invades, okay, and China comes to war and they send boatloads of, of soldiers over to march through the streets and try and kill people, and they've got fighter planes and submarines and everything else, and they try and do an all-out war. I don't think it's going to be that hard to get people to want to defend their home to defend their families i think it would be kind of like you know earlier wars certainly the revolution yeah. right where you know you have british red coats in our communities harassing you invading your home you know stealing your stuff killing people and so forth so the problem with the draft is that it's a way for the government to get away with unjust war right and so if they're if they're getting involved, as you said, for national interests, whatever that means. Whatever and that means. We're in Vietnam and we're in Iraq and we're in Yemen and we're in all these countries getting up in people's business that has nothing to do with defending our homes. Then, you know, then you have to entice these soldiers to sign up with financial benefits and perks and you have to pressure people or make it seem like it's a patriotic thing to do or Sometimes you need a draft so that you can compel people to do it. And all of that is really like a Band-Aid on top of the real, like, festering wound, which is unjust war. These are, mm-hmm. you know, fights that should not be happening. So, yes, you had people dodging the draft. But there's also a little loophole called being what's called a conscientious objector. Uh, that's a big word. What it's it really means, word. what it means is people who have, like, a sincere belief in a religious teaching, for example, um, along with a really strong moral objection to war. In other words, someone whose religion and personal faith and belief prevents them from being in the military. So I'm thinking of, you know, most people might think of like the Amish or something like that people or, hippies. or,
0: or <laughs> yeah. the hippies
1: I, although that wasn't really religious perhaps no uh, but a lot
0: of them tried to uh, try to use it <laughs> or
1: i think of jehovah witnesses yes yeah i, I remember you know jehovah witnesses you know refuse to serve in military pledge allegiance to flags they think these things are idolatrous um and so you know there are people who have these deep moral or religious convictions who want to be um exempted from this and you know, so the problem is that sometimes that's very hard. The government doesn't want to have a big loophole that anyone can be like, "Oh, oh, sorry, my religion, you know, is I'm a Christian, and it says, you know, to, uh, to to be peaceful and to, you know, not kill and and so forth." And uh, and so the problem is the government has this little loophole in place, but it's very difficult for people to successfully claim that they are a conscientious objector. Another way that people got around uh, it. And, and this has been interesting, Brittany, you've seen this in like presidential debates with like Mitt Romney and other people where they deferred uh, the draft. What that means is they kind of delayed it or postponed it. Oh, I'm in college. Right. There were there were different reasons where people could kind of delay yeah. the draft uh, if they were on a church service mission, for example, or if you were in college, you if you were selected for the draft, you could kind of postpone. So that you'd have some people in in, you know, college or as a missionary or whatever, and they would just defer and defer and defer. So then decades later, you have these politicians who are like, oh, well, I served in World War II and that candidate over there, he was a coward. He, you know, deferred and and you know wouldn't be drafted. And it's like, look, if you want to sign up and you think that's the right thing to do, and that's a voluntary thing, great. But don't pretend like being compelled to be drafted into the military is some kind of great thing. And yet people claim that it is.
0: Yeah, it is, and one thing – so the draft is not – you still have to register when you turn 18 if, if you're a, a boy or a man, but that hasn't been instituted. They haven't, like, set it up. So Afghanistan, a lot of people actually wanted to go because, you know, they saw nine eleven happen, but they didn't use the draft. Now, here's what scares me. There's this new wave of equality, and you know I 100% believe every individual should be treated equally, which is why I have issues with modern-day feminism, because they have that distorted view of, of what equality means. And a lot of them think that if we all want to be equal, women should now be included in the draft. And I want to make it very clear, because I said I believe in equality for all, I don't believe that anybody should be entered into the draft. But here you have now; it's it's being like it's. People are saying it's discrimination to not let women sign up for this. And my thing is, why do we even have this anymore? First of all, and second of all, you know, Connor, I'm sure you don't you don't like the idea of your daughter being forced to go fight a war, or your son. You don't want any of your kids doing that. So that's something that really scares me because one thing is, why are we still talking about the draft? Why why is the conversation about having women sign up? Maybe the conversation should be, let's get rid of it. And you have people like the ACLU American Civil Liberties Union, which used to be a great organization that defended constitutional rights even when they were unpopular. And now they're saying, you know, we're, you know, the government should get it right and let women go go die for national interests. So that that's really scary mm-hmm. to me. So the draft still continues to be something that's discussed
1: yeah rather than making the draft like gender neutral and forcing women to sign up we're going in the wrong direction we should be getting rid of it we should not be continuing it and uh it's just so messed up the idea that the government should be able to wage uh, literally it is like pawns on a chess game like oh we're gonna go battle that king over there and i need to conscript you know these soldiers to do my bidding and it's just such a problem because again like if it was a moral and just reason to fight and and truly defend our homes and our families, there would be no shortage of people signing up to do it. Literally, like you wouldn't, there would be zero need for a draft. It's only because the government wants to go out and do silly shenanigans and get involved in other people's business. So it's a big, big problem. Uh, We need to get away from the draft. We need to, you know, I don't know, maybe evade uh, the requirement to sign up at all for 18 year olds. I know a number of people who, just try and avoid that and, and don't comply with that law to sign up in the first place. Obviously, that comes with consequences. You should kind of consider that on your own. Uh, but this is a topic, obviously, I think for you too, Brittany, that gets me really riled up because yep. I think it's <laughs> a, a big problem. So thanks for indulging us, everyone. And hopefully we've had some productive conversation today, Brittany. Thank you as always. And until next time, we'll talk to you later.
0: Talk to you later.